You're listening to Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes Wednesdays and Saturdays. Follow Hockey to Heroin on Twitter. That's at Hockey, the number two heroin for updates and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Brady Leavitt, like any other Canadian kid, his dream was to play in the National Hockey League. Success came easily to Leavitt as he began to turn heads in the Junior Leagues. Only pass for Long, he's got Leavitt with him, Long walks in, Sanders, yeah! Leavitt's right-hand shot rotates and then sends here Long, back to Leavitt, And here we go, right off the bat, a fight ensues, and it's Leovold and Kerr, and they're both getting in shots. Now Leovold throwing right after right and just connecting like crazy. Once I met heroin, I mean, it was just, that became my new passion. What's the reason that young people who are athletes get addicted to heroin? They injure themselves, and they're more likely to be prescribed an opioid. And once addicted, many are going to switch over to heroin because it's much more cost-effective. And the effects that they produce in the brain are indistinguishable. When we talk about painkillers, we're essentially talking about heroin pills. Welcome back to another edition of Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery, episode number 25, which happened to be my number when I was with the Kelowna Rockets. Just before I say anything, I I know I sound like a broken record, but guys, thank you so much for the support. The support just continues to pour in, Um, but at the same time as the support's coming in, I'm hearing a lot of uh, tragic stories and trying stories at the same time, and I'll get into that in a minute, but... Uh, guys, if you're listening, hopefully uh, you're listening on the Hockey Podcast Network. If you're listening to the Hockey to Heroin feed, uh, that's great. But if you don't mind, switch over to the Hockey Podcast Network. And guys, check out the other podcasts on the network. Uh, they have somewhere close to 40 podcasts, uh, You know, one for every single NHL team in every market. Uh, they also have bonus content podcasts such as mine, the Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery, uh, Tales with TR, Terry Ryan's podcast, they have one called Ice Analytics, Um, there's just so many, Uh, so guys check it out, thehockeypodcastnetwork.com, also at HockeyPodNet, guys I have new episodes that come out every Wednesday and Saturday mornings on the Hockey Podcast Network, Um, so yeah, if you've been following along, uh, I haven't recorded the last couple of episodes in the Matthew Lashinsky Memorial Studio uh, because it's actually being built. Uh, if you listen to the last couple podcasts, guys, it's uh, kind of half built. Matt Thompson, uh, who shared the story of, of Matt Lashinsky with me, guys. Uh, Matt Lashinsky is a 1987 birth year. He was drafted in the second round, uh, the OHL priority selection draft by the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds uh, back in the early 2000s. And he played a couple of seasons on and off with them, uh, but struggled with mental health and addiction, uh, much like myself. And in 2017, uh, we lost Matthew Lashinsky uh, to an overdose. Uh, and about uh, two weeks before him, 
uh, we lost Mitch Fadden to a very similar situation, guys. And uh, I actually wasn't familiar uh, that Mitch passed away. Uh, I, I was so messed up myself that I didn't even know. And he was a line mate of mine uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning organization, guys. Uh, and uh, hearing that obviously was uh, extremely, extremely sad. And uh, you know, so I, I just was sitting there and I was like, guys, you know what, I, I have to do something. And um, I didn't know what to do, but I knew something needed to be done. Um, and I started making some phone calls to some of my uh, closer friends, and Michael Hangen was one of them guys. Uh, and, uh, you know, <laughs> we got to talking and uh, just decided that something needed to be done here. Uh, and that's when we decided that we would create the Puck Support Foundation. Uh, at first it was just an idea, it's really only a month old guys, uh, but in the last seven to ten days things have really taken shape. Uh, we've had our first board of directors meeting, uh, as I said on the last podcast, Michael Hangen has been named the chief executive director, uh, which is just great, and we built a, a board around him, uh, which I am also on. Uh, but you know some things may arise where, where I have to step down or, or something happens because of my my history and, and it may not be the case but uh, I'm very prepared to do anything and everything to see this uh, foundation succeed and if that means ever that I have to step away uh, or take my name off a title which which isn't the case at this point I'm just saying because of my my criminal history it could cause problems down the road and uh, I've said it uh, with the CRA and I don't foresee it happening because I talked to a lawyer um, but who knows uh, I just am like you know I'm on the fence with it so I just want everybody to know that uh, I'm fully prepared to, to take my name off anything this is not the Brady Weevil Foundation this is so much bigger than me and bigger than I ever will be and bigger than the five board members are together because this is about uh, everybody that's you know played hockey uh, or coached hockey guys uh, it's not just for players or coaches so uh, we've actually also uh, finished our vision statement which is uh, fantastic so how this came about uh, was I wrote uh, you know the rough draft of it with uh, you know the core ideas of what we want to do and I sent it off to Ken Campbell senior writer for the hockey news, uh, who did, wrote a great piece on me and my story and the studio and everything. Um, you know, he's been so kind, um, so great to me. He's been such a great support over these last couple of months, uh, just one of many. But uh, he took the time out of his night to uh, to write our vision statement. So uh, I would like to share that with you guys now um, because I think it's extremely powerful. So here we go. This is the Puck Supports vision. Even though every child who plays hockey dreams of one day making the NHL, winning a Stanley Cup, and making millions of dollars, the fact is that very few of them do. Some, in fact, end up with serious mental health and addiction issues, often long after the cheering stops and their safety net has vanished. The Puck Support Foundation is a nonprofit charity that is committing to providing relief for any player or coach active or retired who is struggling with these issues. We try to do that by providing a safe platform for hockey players to receive the help they need confidentially and without fear of judgment. We intend to do that by working with mental health and addiction professionals to find and provide our brothers and sisters with the best prevention and treatment methods and by providing 
a toll-free line that can be used by anyone, anytime, anywhere. So that is that is our vision, guys, and, and it's really coming together. We have so much support. Uh, Darren McCarty's been a huge advocate for us and will continue to be. Uh, Doug McLean was on the phone with myself and Mike Hengen the other day, uh, who is, you know, committed to be on board once things get rolling here and said he'd help us out in, with anything he can and uh, the list just goes on guys if I if I had you know a week to talk about it I would sit here and talk about it because I, I could just talk keep talking about it and talking about it um, because you know this is what I've been doing Mike Hangan and I talk probably hours and hours a day trying to build this thing with different ideas and, and things and it's so exciting um, but at the same time guys there's so many um, guys and girls hockey players that are struggling and since I've retired uh, maybe not since I've retired but since I've <laughs> retired from my old life of uh, you know chaos and, and pulled myself out of it I've been able to connect with a lot of people um, some of which I played with some of which I played against some of which I've watched growing up um, and you know some that I've never met and it's a very common story that guys when they're they're done playing um, they feel very alone, they fall into depression, mental health issues set in, sometimes alcoholism and addiction and um, you know it's part of life uh, but we want to set up a support a network so that guys can pick up the phone or, and make that phone call and you know we have guys that you know NHL Hockey Hall of Famers that will get on the other end and, and you know talk to a guy for 10 minutes and try to you know help him through whatever it is that he may need help with and you know get him into the right treatment program so guys it's really exciting it's going to take time um, but we've been talking to lawyers these last few days and uh, you know so just it's really exciting so stay tuned for that if anybody wants to get a hold of us uh, you can email us at team that's t-e-a-m at pucksupport.com um, you know if there's any way you want to get in touch or if you feel that you can help uh, please reach out to us uh, once again, that's team at pucksupport.com. Um, <sighs> other than that, we are going to get right into the episode. And of course, this episode, guys, is proudly, proudly brought to you by Team Issued Limited. Team Issued is, of course, Jesse Paradise, former Kelowna Rocket alumni, teammates of mine. It's his clothing company, guys, and uh, he's been partnered with me since the very beginning. Uh, he was my third guest on the show, uh, and he's also a board member of the Puck Support Foundation. He's writing his CPA up in September. He's a financial analyst out at the University of Manitoba. He's a great kid. He was 16 when I was 20, and this is his clothing company, and I'm telling you, it's sick. I'm decked out all the time. My hat's team issued. My pants are team issued. My sweats, my sweatshirt's team issued. My t-shirt's team issued. My socks are team issued. I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm like a team issued billboard, and I love it. Their clothing, guys, is... Um, just sick and they also do custom gear go to teamissue.ca use promo code toedrag15 to get 15% off your total purchase and I say it all the time my toe drag was the only move I knew how to do uh, I'll share it with you guys now actually when I was playing with the Rockets uh, I scored a beautiful goal against the Medicine Hat Tigers uh, where I toe dragged uh, a guy by the name of Jordan Benfeld from here to next week and after the game uh, actually, it was a Gordie Howe hat trick I got that night, and 
and I set up Tyler Myers for the overtime winner and after the game uh, assistant coach Ryan Cuthbert came into the dressing room with a, with a tape puck because usually when you score your first goal uh, in junior or pro uh, they tape up a puck and you get to keep it. Well he taped up a puck and he said congratulations Lieber this is your one millionth career WHL toe drag and it was kind of funny so um, and I still have that puck somewhere I think it's uh, in my dad's storage locker. Uh, which is nice because I've lost a lot of my keepsakes. But guys, for sure, check out teamissue.ca. Once again, promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchase. And again, check out the Hockey Heroin Facebook page every Sunday night. Uh, we do live stream giveaways, free team issued gear. If you want to win, go to hockeytoheroin.com. You can sign up right on the homepage. Uh, 9 o'clock Eastern every Sunday night, Hockey to Heroin Facebook page. Uh, other than that, guys, that brings me into episode 25. And like I said, uh, I was number 25 when I got to uh, play for the Kelowna Rockets. And, and when I played for the Kelowna Rockets, guys, it was such an honor um, because this team is the closest thing uh, to the NHL in Major Junior Hockey. Um, there's a few other organizations that do it uh, maybe almost as well or just as close. Um, but, you know, without question, Bruce Hamilton starting at the top uh, along with the guy that I have on coming on, um, have spent the last 30 years really building um, arguably uh, the best junior hockey, major junior hockey organization in the entire country. Um, and I don't say that just because I played there or anything. Um, if anybody wants to do the research, it's almost laughable because it's, it's insane the amount of players that these guys have turned out. And the guy that's coming on uh, is responsible for a lot of those. And I know he's going to be humble and modest about it and try to direct it somewhere else. But uh, let, I'm going to make sure he takes a lot of the credit. So uh, this guy, he started with the Estevan Bruins as their head coach uh, in the 1975-76 season, guys, after he played with the Saskatoon Blades uh, and played some CIS hockey. Uh, he went from there to the Swift Current Broncos. He was with the Broncos from 86 to 91. While he was there, guys, uh, he was involved uh, with the tragic bus crash incident uh, with a lot of those players and dealing with it. He was part of the team that was able to capture the 1989 uh, Memorial Cup Championship after such a short period after that tragic accident. Um, and that was such an amazing accomplishment. Also, uh, there's obviously some dark shadows around that story. I've had Sheldon Kennedy on the podcast. Uh, I've had Theron Fleury on the podcast. Um, you know, but at the same time, there's a lot of positives that come from that story. And, and this guy is certainly one of them. From Swift Current, he went to the Tacoma Rockets in the 1991-92 season. Uh, he linked up with who we called and don't tell him I said this, the Silver Fox, Bruce Hamilton, uh, in 91-92. I, I don't know if he was a Silver Fox back then, but this guy has the most amazing set of gray hair you've ever seen. Uh, and we used to just, you know, that's what we call them. And I don't think anybody called him that to his face. So Bruce, I apologize. It was not being disrespectful uh, by any means. Uh, but, you know, he was able to link up with this guy. He stole them. He stole this guy pretty much away from the Swift Current Broncos. And uh, there's no doubt uh, why uh, from there uh, they were able to capture <laughs> four WHL championships um, he's won five WHL championships two Memorial Cups one like I said with the Swift Grand Broncos one with the Kelowna Rockets uh, his time in Kelowna guys uh, listen to this 
Bantam draft picks, who he's in charge of, I will say, okay? Tyler Myers, Dylan Dubé, Luke Shen, Scott Hannon, Blake Como, Tyler Spurgeon, Scott Parker, and my favorite, Tyson Berry, okay? Lists, listed players. How about this for just listed players? So if you're listening to this podcast and you didn't get drafted in the WHL, don't worry. Listen to this. Listen to this, guys. These are guys that did not get drafted to the WHL. Are you ready for this? Shea Weber, Josh Georges, Duncan Keith, and Jamie Ben, my former line mate, captain of the Dallas Stars. So unbelievable. He also was a big part of acquiring guys like Leon Dreisaitl and Michael Backlund. Uh, in 2010-2011, he was given the WHL Distinguished Service Award um, for his just unbelievable work within the Western Hockey League, guys. Um, and here's a fun fact, okay? Uh, since the 2004 2005 NHL lockout um, the Kelowna Rockets are only second behind the London Knights for most games played in the NHL by players like out of a junior hockey team um, with 9,129 games played uh, the Kelowna Rockets sit number two uh, behind the London Knights so that tells you right there um, how successful this franchise is at at turning good prospects into great pros and great people so without further ado um, one of the men responsible for bringing me to the Kelowna Rockets which really changed my life um, Lauren Fry who just recently retired after close to three decades with the with the Kelowna Rockets uh, he's found his way back home to where life makes sense in Speedy Creek Swift Current Saskatchewan thank you so much for joining me on Hockey to Heroin the Road to Recovery well, thank you very much, uh, Brady. Uh, it's great being here with you, and uh, I sure appreciate uh, all the kind words you've said. But uh, like you say, there's uh, it, it's been a great run for myself and our family, and it's been a great privilege working with Bruce in the city of Kelowna. We've had a lot of fun over the years, and, and in all truthfulness, we were very fortunate to have the success we did have. It's a great city, and he's a, he runs a great organization, and it was just a lot of fun to be there. Well, yeah. I mean, I was uh, lucky enough um, to play 67 game, regular season games and seven playoff games in a Rockets uniform. And um, I loved my time in Swift Current. I loved the Broncos. I still consider myself a Bronco at heart, also a Rocket at heart. Um, but I'll tell you, uh, my time in Kelowna, just, you know, I... My dad has a, a place on Okanagan Lake with his uh, wife, Kelly, and uh, so I spent a few summers up in the area. And myself, I just, for whatever reason, I'm one of those people that, that just does better when there's water around, like a lake or something. I, I don't know what it is, but Kelowna's a magical city. And, um, yeah, it just, it, it did wonders for me. So, uh, you know, I can't say enough about the city either. Uh, also, Bruce, he can be a hard ass at times. Um, but he runs uh, the best organization, um, and he's just so well-respected, Lauren, and so are you. Um, what have you been up to since you've been retired? Well, it's funny. Well, I'm not totally retired yet. I've been uh, I've accepted another position with the Rockets. I'm a senior advisor now, so that, that's what happens when you get a little older. They just put the word senior in front of it, and then you move on. But no, uh, 
uh, we've uh, we've had a quick turnaround here. We 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 uh, my wife and I we sold our house in Kelowna and then the move out here, and it's been pretty hairy carry with the COVID situation, etc. And uh, but it uh, we're starting to get in sort of to get things set up now and starting to go a little bit. I've been playing a lot of golf with my grandson for the most part, and uh, and that was one of the reasons we moved out here because of our family. I still have two brothers here and my wife has two brothers and lots of nieces and nephews. So at our age, uh, we just decided, you know, we, you know, uh, I would slow down a little bit in the hockey aspect of it and, and uh, come back home to be with our kids and our grandkids. So, and it's, it's been a lot of fun so far. (laughs) Well, I can only imagine that to put a smile on my face to hear you playing golf with your grandson. I I know that can, uh, you know, that's the reason right there why, you know, you were you left Kelowna to, to spend time with your family. Where are you guys golfing? Are you playing at Chinook? Is that is that still the golf course to play at, or where are you guys playing? Uh, well, we're at uh, we're at Elmwood. And Elmwood. We play, yeah, we play Chinook every once in a while, but uh, we're members at the Elmwood Golf and Country Club, and uh, so no, uh, the whole family is, and uh, so it's uh, we've been it's <laughs> the only thing we got to get used to out here, Brady, right now is the wind. Uh, the wind conditions out here have been unbelievable <laughs> over the last month, so we haven't seen anything like this. Even 30 years ago when we lived here, I've never seen uh, the wind blow like this, but hey, you got to get used to it. Well, I'll tell you a funny story about the wind, and this is a true story. So when I was 17, I was playing, uh, obviously, with the Broncos, and uh, you know where the dressing room is and where the players used to park, well... It's at the, near the back of the rink, kind of, but it's, you know, you have to walk a fair a fair ways. It's not, you know, and even in Kelowna, we had to park in that lot and you had to walk in. But but where we had to walk from the, from the lot in Swift Current into the into the rink, well, I, I don't know why it was so icy, but it didn't look icy. And I was walking with Hangin, and I'm not kidding, it was so windy that it blew our feet right out from under us. And like I landed and got like, um, like I shattered a little bone chips in my elbow. I still have them from that, from that incident. Like I'm feeling them right now, like just from the wind. So I believe you it is. It's absolutely insane. Sometimes the wind there, but I guess you got to aim to the left or to the right more. Uh, but don't tell the, don't tell the, uh, the marshal there, but me and Jeremy Schenderling rolled a cart there my 19-year-old year, uh, just before playoffs. Don't tell them that. Um, oh, that, that, that's a shocker. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was him driving, not me. Not, oh, okay. Full, full disclosure. Um, but, uh, you know, you, so you mentioned that now you're going to be a senior advisor and now you put the senior in front of it. Um, what does that really mean? I know that means that you sold your house, um, you're living in Swift Current, uh, are you going to be a fixture uh, at the Centennial Civic Center? Um, you know, taking in as many Bronco games as you can, or or and reporting yeah. back to Bruce, or, or or what is your what does your schedule look like for the upcoming season? Well, I think uh, right now we're certainly that'll be part of it. I'll get an opportunity to see a lot of the teams in the Eastern Division and the Central Division come into Swift Current. That'll certainly be part of it. Looking for to, you know, maybe do some trading and, you know, make ourselves aware of some of the players that are out here. I will also do some scouting regarding the Bantam draft and watch some of the midget players that we drafted last year that are playing out here. And I will, you know, probably take participate in in four or five major tournaments for all Western Canada, the Bantams, and uh, 
and just help out our new head scout, Terry McFall, who we've uh, elevated to the new head scout. And I will still remain part of running the list. I will still be in charge of running our 50-player protected list and also be in working with Bruce uh, continually on any deals that we're trying to make. And, uh, <laughs> okay. And the hockey aspect of it. So basically, you're doing the exact same thing from Swift Current. <laughs> well, basically, but not... <laughs> The travel won't be near as extensive. <laughs> no, I, I I know. I'm just saying though, and 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 again, I think Lorne, with with your experience and with the relationship you've created with Bruce, I think even if you really really tried to to walk away, it would be extremely difficult. And um, you know, you love it so much, and I like I have I'm actually in awe of you know what you guys have been able to accomplish there because what people don't realize um, is that, you know, to build a dynasty or to build, and it's maybe a little bit harder now with the, with the uh, uh, salary cap in the NHL and what have you, but still you, you can lock players in for long-term deals. Uh, in junior hockey, uh, you might only have three years with a guy if he's a, a top, top-end prospect, if he's going to the NHL at 18 or, or four, if he's going at 19. Um, so for you guys to be able to put together like year after year, uh, and I mean, there's been a couple of years that you guys didn't make the playoffs and, and that just goes without saying and, and you go through rebuilds and here and there, but give or take, you guys have been extremely, extremely successful. Um, Yes, Cologne is a beautiful city. Uh, people want to go there and play. That helps. Uh, but what is the secret uh, or what is the, the thing that you've really uh, maybe learned along the way, you know, as far as, you know, scouting a player at a young age and making sure that uh, they're going to fit in with your organization, you know, from the time they're 14 till they're ready at 16 or, or three years down the road at 17. Like, uh, do, are you a different, do you look at players different now? Uh, well, you know, somewhat, but I think the things that, uh, you know, some of the things that we really relied on was, you know, our consistency within our organization. Like we didn't make a lot of changes from the scouting positions. Certainly, We've had different coaches over the years. but And the other thing is we, and I, for one, really believe in our players. I mean, I don't, uh, you know, we make sure we're patient and we're giving all our players every opportunity for them to develop and succeed. I mean, obviously, that's not going to be the case in certain situations and with some individuals. But I think uh, some of the aspects of some of the teams, that uh, you know, certainly over the years in the, in the 90s and the 2000s, I think a lot of teams, if you got a 17-year-old, and I think sometimes expectations from those individuals are are high, and if it doesn't materialize, then I think teams sort of give up on them, where our philosophy all along was be patient, uh, give them another year, bring them back to training camp, don't be hasty in our decision-making, and, and just let them develop. And take, uh, in a lot of cases... We felt that by the time the middle of their 18th year playing in our league, we would have a real good idea where they're going to end up. And, and uh, you know, I think we were really patient and consistent in that regard. So I think that was those are some of the things that we really tried to stick with. And one of the other things, Brady, is we just wanted to put the best team on the ice that we possibly could and in the process develop our five or six or four or five guys in each group, in age group as well as we went along. But 
uh, it wasn't the end result wasn't when we started out was to win. I mean, everybody wants to win. But the first thing that we wanted to do was put a good, consistent, entertaining hockey team on the ice. And if the winning came and the success came, well, that's something that you have to deal with. But but in order for that, we had to do that to please our fans. And you know what it's like if you all of a sudden you have a couple bad years, then it's going to take you three or four years to get those people back. So we just tried to avoid a lot of that to start with and then just tried to build on, on developing a good, strong, entertaining hockey team. And and it always it always was, and, and the fans are great in Kelowna. Um, it's just such a great atmosphere. It's a it's a great arena. Um, the location is is fantastic. Uh, I have a my my next question for you, Lauren, and, and this might be a tough one. Uh, what is the best team uh, that you were part of throughout your entire season? Was it the '89 Broncos? Uh, was it the 0304 Rockets? Um, what would you say? W- w- what year was the best team uh, fully as a team? Uh, or could you pick one? Well, I think the two you named. I think the, uh, the, the you know, 89, 89 Broncos. We, we had a heck of a team here. We had a great team. And we went 12-0 and 0 in the playoffs and then won the Memorial Cup that year. And then the 03 Rockets, we were loaded, uh, you know, on defense, you know, with Josh Georges and, and Shea Weber and Duncan Keith and, you know, uh, you know, guys like that. So, I mean, I don't, uh, I think That's both crazy. two teams, like even, even the one in Swift Current, I think some people may not even know this, but with Joe Sackey, if he played that year as an underage in, in Quebec, now had Joe come back that year, I, I don't even know if he'd have lost a hockey game. So, uh we just had we just had one heck of a team, and then also the O three team, uh, a lot of great players on that O three team as well. So uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, well, you know, to win a Memorial Cup is uh, maybe one of the hardest trophies to win because you have to win your league and then and then win win a tournament from the best of uh, each league. Plus, there's a host that throws kind of a curve in there too. So it's a really interesting tournament. Uh, you guys kind of got shafted this year. Um, the Memorial Cup was supposed to be in Kelowna. What's going on with that? So going forward for next year, do you, do you guys get it next year? Does it go to um, the the next year's host, or have you guys even talked about that? Well, I, I don't think. I think next year. I think something might have been mentioned about next year, but we're not going to be good enough to represent next year. Uh, we we you know ended up trading for a lot of older players and. Uh, you know, so we we we're being realistic. We just won't be good enough for our team to compete. Uh, you know, next year in, in the for a Memorial Cup situation, we're hoping maybe two or three years down the third year down the road, there's a possibility we could, uh, you know, get it then. But uh, that nothing's for certain there, and uh, but certainly not next year because we're just not going to be ready for it. We're just not going to be good enough. Yeah, and that's you know, and that's unfortunate. And that's just one of these things with uh, the COVID nineteen. And there's been so many casualties, and um, maybe uh, losing the Memorial Cup is is not the the biggest one out of all this because there's so many horrible things going on in the world right now. And um, I'm sure that the WHL or the CHL will will definitely you know lean in your favor the next time you guys have a a competitive team because you guys did kind of get shafted. So. Uh, it's unfortunate because you know I was looking forward to watching it and it being in Kelowna, and I was actually thinking about um, getting back there for it, but obviously it didn't happen. So um, my next question, Lauren, is who's the best junior hockey player you've ever seen? 
Well, there's some good ones. <laughs> well, I would I would have to say, well, I was in the area here. Well, Joe Sackage would have to be that anything that I've been associated with would be would be Joe, and then probably Shea Weber, uh, Duncan Keith, Jamie Ben would probably be, uh, you know, right behind them in those you know in those areas there too. So, uh, and you know, it, it, it's funny, but. Uh, you know, those are the ones I was, you know, and then and then playing against when we played here, young and in, in Saskatchewan, Theron Fleury, Theron was unbelievable when he was junior hockey here in Moose Jaw, and uh, he's just a great competitive player to play against, and he was awesome to watch. He was tremendous on the ice to watch, and when you ever went on the ice with him, I know we had an opportunity to coach him in the All-Star game. It was the first time I met him. We had the the All-Star game. Uh, we coached there, and I couldn't believe how quick he was at that age. I just... It was phenomenal how quick he was, how he could go at a guy and then turn on a dime and blow by him on the other side. And so he was, it was, it was really, you know, eye opening for me and really, you know, it's uh, something that I never at that time. And we had Joe playing with us that time too, but Darren was great. And uh, those other individuals were, uh, you know, very good as well. So, I mean, Shay, I mean, what, what he's done, Duncan's what he's done, uh, you know, Jamie Ben, uh, you know, Josh George, that, all those guys were just, you know, they were just, they were great, great opportunity. It was great to be able to associate with those guys and watch them grow and develop in the pros. And uh, they're all great people. They're all, they're, they're, they're just outstanding individuals as well. They're great human beings. I kind of want to apologize because it was kind of a trick question because I'm kind of sitting here laughing because there's just so many. <laughs> well, I know I forgot a lot. <laughs> I just wanted to hear what you said because I mean I I don't even know like it, you know and I was very fortunate that I got to play with uh, with Jamie on a line uh, in Kelowna and actually um, when he played his first game in Vancouver against the Canucks I was he actually got me tickets and I was sitting with his family and he got his first NHL goal we were right behind the net it was it was a pretty cool experience. Um, but you know, he was obviously phenomenal and, and Colin Long, my, our other line mate was, was a, just a tremendous, uh, playmaker too. It was such a, such a fun experience playing Kelowna, being all around those young, great players. Uh, Tyson Berry is probably, uh, who I would say is the best, uh, 16 year old I've ever seen him and Braden Shen, I would say. Um, but the things that Tyson was doing at 16 was just incredible. Have you seen another 16-year-old defenseman do what he's done? No, well, no, he he was great when he came in here, and uh, you know the year um, when you guys you guys had a great. I mean, you had a real you had an outstanding year with us there that year, and and uh, what was it? Oh, seven and oh eight. Yeah, I think uh, you know with with Jamie and and Longer and. And, uh, you know, you were, I know when we traded for you, you were exactly what we were looking for. You were tenacious. You could, you could do a lot of things offensively. You could play all situations. And, and uh, you had a great year for us. So we were very pleased with the way you turned out. And, uh, and then the next year, of course, we ended up winning the next year. So uh, in 2000, I think we won in 2008, 2009, I think we won that year. So with Benner and, and uh, you know, the guys we had then. So, uh, but no, it was, um, it, uh, like I say, those guys were, you know, really good. And like I say, it was just, uh, you try to go back and remember all those guys. And like Tyson, Tyson was, you know, just phenomenal. And, and it's funny because I know when he was 19, uh, we had, we had big offers. We weren't going to win the league and we had huge offers to trade for him. Like we could have traded him for two first round, 
draft picks and two or three young prospects. And we just said, no, we just said, uh, we're going to keep him on our hockey team. He's going to graduate. He's going to finish his career in Kelowna. He's been such a great rocket and he's going to finish here. And, uh, you know, he's, he's also great for our younger players coming up. He set an example. And, and I think that's one of the other things that, that we've uh, sort of stuck by here too. We all, we've been a believer not to, you know, get rid of our best players. I mean, we knew we weren't going to win, but we didn't get rid of our best players because the draft picks or other players to build a year or two down the road. And, and we've never been a believer in that. And uh, maybe this year was the first time we did it because we were sort of forced to do it. But for the most part, we've never been believers in that, that we always, like I said, we owe it to our fans to put our best players on the ice. And then with Tyson, if we got a superstar like him, we kept him right to the end. And, and, and so when he goes to the NHL, you know, they say he's played four years with Kelowna and, and that's important to us. Oh, and, and, you know, he's, man, he's just so skilled. And, you know, you mentioned um, that you guys won that year, uh, the following year. And actually, um, I felt as if, you know, I had almost won, even though I was a year removed. So when we lost uh, to the Seattle Thunderbirds in Game 7 that year, and realistically, we should have won. And I don't think, if we beat Seattle, do we beat Tri-City or Spokane? Probably not. Um, but we definitely could have beat Seattle. We won the first two games and lost the next two and then won the next and then could have won it at home and lost and then lost yeah. in game seven. And it was just unfortunate. But, um, you know, I you know I remember playing my heart out. I'd, I actually led the entire first round in goals. I think I had six goals and two assists in seven games. And uh, I remember crying after, like, because a lot of guys do, right? Like after their dub career is over, they, you know, it's kind of a sad moment. But I remember crying and saying, look at me and saying, looking on the room, and this is a true story. I said, if you guys don't go all the way next year, you guys should be disappointed in yourselves because that's how good you're going to be next year if you guys stick together. And and uh, so when I got to see, watch on TV and see these guys and see Longer lift, the, you know, accept the WHL trophy, um, it was as if I was there almost, uh, and it was just such a such a cool experience to see. And though I wasn't actually on the team, uh, I felt that you know I actually sort of contributed a little bit. Um, I know Colin was you know quick to uh, say a lot and and to me and a lot of kind words after as being one of the best line mates he ever had, and just as far as protecting him and, and doing those things and. Um, me and him have and maintained a, a, a very good relationship over the years, and I can't say enough about him. But uh, it's been uh, it's been an interesting time since we last saw each other, for sure, Lorne. But um, you know, if I had to ask you, uh, you know, the best trade you ever made between you and Bruce, um, maybe not the biggest name trade. And, and I'm not expecting to see, say me or anything, so don't even think about that because that that's, would never be the case. I'm just curious, is there somebody that surprised you um, that you've gotten or maybe gotten rid of uh, that's gone on to another team uh, or that's gone on to have a successful NHL career that you maybe didn't foresee? Yeah, Brady, I'm getting old here. You know what I'm saying? I, <laughs> I for my game sometimes, so you're bringing up traits that... I guess the biggest trade we made was probably for Leon Dreisaitl. And uh, and I'm trying to think. Actually, here I go. I forget that offense when we traded for Winnipeg, uh, played in PA as well. Uh, shoot. 
Ciao, Jake Mor. I mean uh, Morrissey. So yeah, uh, yeah, Jake Morrissey and and those two guys were probably the biggest trade we made, and uh, they had the most success there. Uh, as far as anybody we're moving, I don't know if um, I, I can't remember. In all honesty, some of the guys we moved that turned out. To- Come on, Lorne, you've only been in junior hockey for forty years. You don't remember all the trades you've made. <laughs> hey, I can't remember the one I made yesterday. Sometimes. <laughs> uh, a lot of people may not know this, or, or in the hockey world, but uh, your son-in-law uh, is a former NHL hockey player, Travis Moen. Uh, is he around the Swift Current area? Um, is that who? Uh, is that would be your grandson? Uh, would that be his kid or? Yeah, that's that's right. Uh, uh, he's married to my stepdaughter Amy, and uh, and Travis played with us in Kelowna for three years. And uh, yes, uh, uh, the grandkids Amy, I mean uh, Blake and Carter, they're the grandkids, and they actually live about uh, a ten minute walk from our place here. Beautiful. So we get to see them basically almost every day. We we've been spent a lot of time. We've always had a lot of time with the kids as much as we've been able to. We've been very appreciative. Trav and Aim have been great, uh, you know, uh, with us and spent a lot of time with us over the years. When he was playing, you know, in the NHL, I mean, uh, they did, they, you know, they had to move a few times. And then usually in, in the summertime, the, you know, he would come out to Kelowna for August. Basically, they would come out for August and he would train with, you know, the rest of the guys like, you know, Josh and those guys and uh, train and, and, and get ready for the year. So, uh, but uh you know, once uh, he retired, then they lived and then they moved here back to Swift Current. They, his family owns a, a big farm here north of town, so he helps his brother with the farming and uh, you know, they do the bulk of their, and they, but they do have a, a place right here in Swift Current. Well, I believe it's his brother that used to work in the scouts room uh, in or somebody related to him, if, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Um, but I used to be, I used to live in that scouts room before every single game. Uh, eating donuts. Yeah, donuts and coffee, to be honest. Um, when everybody else was doing their thing, preparing, like I was never good at that for whatever reason, but, uh, that's what I was doing. But, but yeah, I mean, Travis had a, a, a very successful NHL career. Um, if, you know. Have you maintained a, a pretty solid relationship with, with a lot of the players that have gone through the different organizations? And, and are you familiar with, um, you know, have there been a lot of guys you've noticed that have maybe struggled uh, when their careers are over at all? Well, like, um, well I, I, I don't, I, I've always kept, I, and it's funny because uh, that's that's always been one of my major concerns. And, and, and I think the closest ones I've been with has been Travis. And then and we used to talk a lot of times about what you do when your NHL career is over. And I don't know, in all honesty, how you prepare for that. Uh, I think you certainly have to have something to fall back on. In his situation, I think it was a farm that, that certainly helped him a lot. But even at that, I mean, even even at that, he has a lot of downtime and stuff. And a lot of these young players, that I mean, a lot of the players that graduate, I mean, I, I, I know guys, like even Josh Georges and, they're finished now and stuff, and it's it's not easy for them. I mean, they, uh, you know, they're always trying to look for something to do. I mean, they, these guys have had great careers and they've looked after themselves financially pretty well, but still, they gotta find something to do. They gotta, you know, and 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 that that's probably one of my biggest concerns. A lot of times, it was with Travis. I mean, he 
uh, Travis was, you know, uh, a physical player and, and certainly, and he fought and, and took some, you know, shots to the head and stuff and uh, had some concussions and stuff and, and conversations with him on numerous occasions. I keep on asking, how are you feeling? How's your, how's your head? You know, stuff like that. And he's going, Oh, good, good. Everything's good so far. So, you know, you always worry about that sort of stuff, but, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, it, it is a concern, and I and I and I uh, and I see this uh, all the time. That you know, uh, and I, I I don't know how they handle it. They got to find something, you know, to get involved. And, and you and you probably know as a lot of players as well as I do that struggle once they're finished playing the National Hockey League. Because in saying that, they played. Like Travis played twelve years in the NHL, but everything was done for them. These guys, they they they, they everything's done for them. They don't have to, all they got to do. They show up for practice and then, and then go. I'm going to say not all they got to do it because it's not an easy life. It's not. It's not. A, it's not the life everybody thinks it's this great life being an NHL hockey player. Well, it's not as easy as everybody thinks it is because one minute you're on the plane, you're you're, you're flying to a city, you're playing that night. After the game, you jump back on the plane, you fly into another city, you get there at four or five o'clock in the morning. And, you know, Travis used to tell me, he said he had to wear a, brace, a bracelet on his hand so he could so he could put his room number in there because he would never remember his room number because they're changing hotels all the time. They're doing this, they're doing that. So it's, it's not the life that, you know, everybody thinks it is. It's, uh, you know, you, you have to have a passion for the game to play it. But I think a lot of these people that see these NHL guys as, oh, this is the greatest life. I just love to do this. Well, I think they'd be in a little bit of a surprise once they actually go through the regimen and see what they have to do to become one. So, uh, and, and then when that's over, then what do you do? Like, uh, maybe go back to school or try to get an education, try to get a job. I mean, what do you do? And, uh, you know, yeah, and it's, it's not, it's not, uh, it's, 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 it's something trying to find that. And like I say, there becomes a lot of loneliness and what becomes involved and, and, uh, you know, it's a struggle with a lot of them, I, I'm sure. Yeah, and, and that's a thing. You're used to being around the guys. And like you said, a lot of things are done for you. And, and I mean, I mean, even when guys, you know, you go to get housing, even in the American League or whatever, you know, the team provides a, an agent to, to find you places. And they pick you up and they bring them to you. And they have all the documents for you. And you just got to sign them. And they'll sign, they'll set up bank accounts for you. They'll do everything, pretty much everything for you, like you said. And... Um, you know, of course, they don't work out for you. They don't practice for you. They don't do all that hard stuff for you because that's not the way it goes. So, of course, there's a lot of work that you have to do on your own to get to the NHL. But like you said, yeah. And so when all these things are taken and, and again, exercise is, is so important for mental health too. And when you're an elite athlete and you're used to, you know, being in intensive, not just exercising regular, like I'm talking intensive exercise where your heart rates you know consistently over 140 for over an hour or two a day pretty much every day and um that's pretty extreme right and all of a sudden for for you to just take that away and and it has severe uh you know effects on your circulatory system and your nervous system um, and your moods and all that and depression can set in and, and, and before you know it, it can be a year or two and you've got nothing done and a lot of guys turn to drinking or drugs and um, 
it's it's really sad, Lorne, if I told you the amount of guys, um, not just NHL players, but, but guys that played in Europe or the American League or guys that played in the Dub or the O or Tier 2 Junior or NCAA. Um, it, it's just, and again, we all know that hockey is, is a physical sport and that's why we love it or that's why I loved it. Um, and I like to fight. I love to fight. And... I had a lot of concussions too. Now, there's different opinions on concussions and, and this stupid lawsuit. I don't even want to talk about it. However, what I will say is that, excuse me, I have allergies, but what I will say is that I've gone back and forth on it to the point where, okay, like I see it as yes, okay, some guys are going to struggle more than others. Some guys have had more extensive injuries than other. And if there's certain guys that are struggling because of things and they need help, I think they should get the help that they need. And maybe it's not from the league that they were playing in or whatever. And that's, again, where the Puck Support Foundation comes in and we're going to be able to help these people. But um, I did at one point, Lorne, I said, and this is a good point that Michael Hengen brought up, um, because originally... Uh, for the longest time, I was like, I would never take money. I would never do anything. I would never be involved in a lawsuit. I'm a warrior. I'm a hockey player. I knew the consequences, okay? So then, uh, I'll be honest, uh, when that lawsuit came out, I didn't really know about it. So just a few months ago, uh, someone brought it to my attention. So I actually signed up for it, but only so I could get the information, right? I told right. them I told them that I don't actually want, and once they sent me the information in that, I told them that to take, take my name off it. I don't want any financial compensation or anything. Um, and I talked about it with Michael Hengen. So what he said to me was, it's bullshit that, um, you know, some guys are going to do this because he said, look, he, and he, 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 this is what he said. He said it like this. He said, some guys will need help, and I hope those guys get the help they need. But what I don't feel sorry for or for the guys that got concussions and then the next day or the same night went to the team party, got drunk, um, you know, didn't take care of themselves, didn't do whatever, didn't tell the trainers and then fought the next night and then probably went out and got drunk again. And then, you know, so they didn't really take care of themselves either. And I know, or maybe they did, but I didn't because those are the things I was doing. So when he said that to me, I was like, you know what? That's a really good point. There's so much yeah. more that goes into it. Um, so, yes, I agree with you. I don't know what the answers are um, for concussions or for when guys stop playing. And it's not just NHL. It's pro and junior because guys start playing at four or five years old. And by the time you're 13 or 14, when they meet you for the Bantam draft, Lorne, um, if you're not, um, you know, pretty much fully committed nowadays with the way the world is with all these academies and all this stuff if you're not pretty much fully committed at 12 13 14 the chances of making it to to junior probably slim to none um with the odd exception and it's and that's just the way it is because these kids are so good (laughs) and um yeah it's just so you know you're doing this for your whole life so even if you play from 5 to 18 um, it's still hard for those 18-year-olds to walk away and figure out stuff after. So um, as you play longer, it gets harder. And uh, it makes me happy to hear that Travis is doing well. And, um, you know, he. do you know if, if these guys, like, because Travis had a long career, um, does he have a lot of support from the NHLPA if he needs it? Well, I think he can get it if he needs it. I think the uh, 
I think they've come a long ways in that area. I, I, I'm not totally familiar with that, Brady, at the moment, but I'm sure there's even the Western Hockey League. I think has has support uh, has support uh, oh, yeah. In, in yeah in, in place like for I know health um, mental health issues or depression and stuff is a key. And I think you're probably up on this now too. Is like a key component of the league, and they're doing everything they can. Yeah. And you know what, Brady, and I'm sure you know, it's not. It's it's in our league too. It's a. Uh, it's it's becoming, uh, in all honesty, it's it's something that a lot of teams uh, are facing and uh, mental health issues with younger players. And uh, there's been a you know from what my my own just you know uh, general you know overseeing things, it's just becoming. Um, you know, more commonplace and in, in with teams and with young players. And I, I, I have my own reasons why I think that is that becoming that way. But uh, I, uh, you know, I, I can see it. And I think a lot of teams are in a league has, has certainly got implemented that and trying to deal with it any way they can. They certainly help out all these young players in a lot of ways and as much as they possibly can. Yeah, and there's there's no short answer for it, and nobody really knows. And that's all we can do is continue to uh, get the best um, information possible um, and try to uh, implement, you know, the best treatments possible when they're available. And again, that's you know what the Puck Support Foundation is going to be about, and, and partnering with with everybody. It's not about fighting with anybody. It's about you know what can we do to help, and how can we all work together. And um, you know. I, I heard you say you have your own reasons for what you think those are, and I don't want I, you don't need to tell me, but I I do too. I have my own reasons, and, and I'd like to say them. <laughs> so uh, the reason why I think too is one is social media, because right. there's so much going on. Um, look at me, look at me, look at me, look what this guy's doing, and and videos, and um, it's keeping up with the Joneses even for the kids. So if a guy gets drafted and now on social media. A guy's got a picture there of him signing his WHL contract. That's great for him. It's great for the league. But his teammates that didn't get drafted, um, you know, now they're feeling the pressure. They're feeling like they're not good enough. Um, and it's an extremely difficult situation. And 90% of the kids may handle it okay. Even 98%, 99%. But there's always going to be that 1%. And that's the 1% or the 2% or whatever it is. That is who we're going to try to reach um, and try to work with, you know, you know, younger kids and just letting them know that there's a secondary group out there with with people that have gone through similar issues and and, and that can relate and, and help. Right. And again, we don't have all the answers. <laughs> Nobody does, but we certainly want to get there. And I believe that the, that all the leagues do and everybody involved in hockey does, too, because. Um, nobody wants to see these tragedies any go, go on any longer and it starts right from the top with the NHL back in 2011 and um, with all those deaths and, and everything and, and if you look it, it doesn't take much research um, on Google to uh, find all the fallen hockey players right from minor hockey through junior to pro um, from suicide and addiction it is uh, I'll, I'll actually email you the list tomorrow, Lorne, and, and it's uh, staggering. I've done my homework, and I'm not even done. I'm finding new ones every day. I'm making it. It's like my passion project to find every hockey player that's either committed suicide or overdosed or died you know, from addiction or alcoholism right from 
you know, day one, whether they played minor hockey or, you know, junior, pro, doesn't matter. And my list is growing every single day. Um, and I don't know if it all has direct relations to hockey. I'm not saying hockey causes these things. However, because there's so many things in life learning that, that cause these problems um, in society and hockey is probably not the issue. But what I do know is hockey is such a positive thing. So yes, we're talking about the negative things, but let's for a second talk about all the great things that hockey brings and teaches our kids and teaches, um, you know, just the our society like it and brings entertainment and, and everything. So the the pros and the cons, uh, the pros outweigh the cons greatly in my opinion. Um, but no, I agree, uh, Brady, and I think that. Uh I think if if we just let the kids play and let the kids be the kids, and and I think a lot of times, um, you know, uh, it's 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 a different world, and you know as well that you're dealing with agents, you're dealing with parents, and I and I hate to say it, and I know there's a lot of great parents out there that are very supportive, and and and, and they should be because they're their kids, it's their kids, and they should be care about their kids and be responsible for their kids, but. I think in certain situations and the ones that come up that I'm sort of familiar with that have these kinds of issues there, the parents are, are in, are, I think really over extending, uh, you know, really adding a lot of extra pressure to those young men that they don't really need. And, uh, you know, and like you brought up earlier the money and, and, you know, there's like you said, there's only so few of these people, young men that are going to ever play you know, get their dreams and play in the National Hockey League. And like you say, maybe 99.9% won't make it. And and this is where I think, uh, you know, parents, to me, have to become more realistic and and just understand that, you know, hey, uh, if, he, if he loves the game and he plays the game, just to love it and enjoy it. And, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, hey, he's still going to carry that part of his you know, into the rest of his life when he's going to play senior hockey or, or old, you know, old timers hockey or whatever, because it's such a great game to play. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, probably the best, one of the best games in the world to play. It's, it's a fun sport. And, and if I think if the parents just realize that, Hey, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be, if it isn't, Hey, there's other aspects of life that they can do and, and go to school and then become in, and get in the areas that they got their, they got a passion for. So uh, I, I just wish that society would, you know, sort of, you know, let these kids be kids and, 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 and let them do, uh, let them just have fun and enjoy and let them grow and develop and, and, and it'll take care of itself, you know, and they, uh, that's that's what I've observed over the last number of years, especially over the last four or five years, the the, the commitment, the, the pressure that these kids sort of find, are starting to find themselves under and and uh, it's 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 not uh, you know it's not fun listening to them and watching them. They're they're and I you know one of the other things and you may you know may uh, back in the day when you played, but you know in today's game I don't think you can find uh, it, you know back in the day you could find individuals that were real very good leaders like they would come in and they would be leaders like you were one of those type of guys you could come in and you could lead you and 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 a lot of those kids a lot of these kids nowadays. You can't, uh, you can't find kids, uh, you know, like this nowadays. You almost have to develop them and work with them and develop them. But there's not too many kids that you bring in into our system that, you know, like we had Ryan Cuthbert here, who was, 
just probably one of our best captains ever in Kelowna for, I think he's our captain for two or three years and, and he was just a tremendous leader, but you, you just don't find, uh, you know, kids like that anymore. Very seldom do you do. And if you have one, you better hang on to them because they're rare. Yeah. And, and I believe that. And I think that again, it's just, um, with the way that, you know, the world is, is sort of changing and, um, I don't know if the kids are just a little, the society is a little bit more soft now. Like I always bring up the thing with Don Cherry and I don't even want to get into it because it just pisses me off the fact that, that that even happened. And I've had Doug McLean on and actually I've become quite close with Doug. He's become a great friend of mine and, um, you know, or a great sense of support anyways. Um, and, uh, you know, I've talked to him about it a bunch, but, you know, he doesn't, he's careful with what he says to me, of course. I, I mostly just rant about it. But <laughs> um, uh, before I let you go, though, there's a, there's a couple of things that I wanted to ask you because I had Kimby Daniels on the podcast and you had Kimby and Swift Current. Um, what was Kimby like as a junior player? Because um, I've heard stories that he was really uh, quite outstanding. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, we, we brought him in here as a 16-year-old, and he was phenomenal. Like, he, he uh, I think that year he played as a 16-year-old with us. I think he had, he scored 31 goals that year as a 16-year-old, and not one was a power play. They were all even strength, or maybe a couple short-handed goals. And he just had a tremendous year, and, you know, as a 17-year-old, uh, you know, I, I can't, you know, I can't, I think, yeah, I think he started to, things started happening, and I don't know, I'm not, you know, I, I, I just think his play, uh, he sort of started to fall off a little bit after that, year after year, year. but he was such a talent, like, a, a, a great skater, great skill, a very intelligent young man, individual, and great to be around. In all honesty, he's probably one of my favorite people. Uh, in playing the game, and uh, you know, when, when, and and Nolan, and, and and being with, he was a funny guy and just a great talent. And like I say, if I go back to my time in Swift Current, he was certainly one of my favorites, uh, uh, you know, of all time. And when we get together, uh, we certainly we've been together a few times over the years, and and we sit down and and I think we sure certainly have appreciation for each other and. Uh, I just think he's uh, he was a tremendous individual. Yeah, he was he was great to talk to, and and I shared the story on the podcast. But uh, growing up, I always had his hockey card in my computer uh, desk drawer for some reason. It was just in there always, like even when we moved. Um, so then, and actually, my very first pro game uh, when I when we lost out to uh, Seattle, I didn't even come back with the the Rockets on the bus. I went to Victoria to play in the coast. And oh, okay. And uh, we played the Aces, and the first game he I was playing I played against Kimby Daniels my first game pro, so it was kind of uh, it was kind of surreal. He was obviously at the end of his career, and um, it was it was kind of neat. But I just heard stories that he was just so good when he was 16, and um, for whatever reason, um, you know, different things have uh, been speculated, and and he was uh, pretty uh, great on the podcast, so. Uh, I want to say thanks to him again, but yeah, he's just uh, such a great guy. Um, I uh, I actually have a comment here from uh, a Grant Bem here on Facebook. He just wants to say, Lauren, welcome back, uh, welcome back to Swift Current, Lauren. Uh, how about taking the GM reins for five years? And then he says, this this man is in a class all by himself uh, because I just told people that. Uh, 
was having you on. So that's what he had to say. So the people in Swift Current are already, I know you're still working with the Rockets. It's just a joke. But um, I'm sure you're going to be getting a lot of that um, from the people of Swift Current uh, because they love their Broncos. They're always looking for the answer. And I guarantee they're going to think you're the answer. You're never going to be able to escape it. No, it's it's great being back. But you know what, Swift Current, uh, you know, two years ago, they, uh, well, three years ago, they won the league and uh, they did a great job. And you know what, up until then, uh, they were the only team, I think, in the last 35 years that uh, a Saskatchewan team that's won the Western Hockey League, and they've done it three times. And, and then uh, certainly, when was it, two years ago, uh, PA won, and they, had, they hadn't won in 35 years. But they got a great, it's a great city. It's, uh, you know, they have to work hard to, uh, you know, you know, keep this franchise afloat, and uh, they got a good, you got a good organization. They had a real good Bantam draft last year, and even the year before. So I think, you know, they'll take a couple of years, but hopefully the fans here will hang in there with them. I'm looking forward to it. I hope, I hope they don't. Uh, you know, uh, they'll get better every year here. I think, and and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to watching them play, and uh, you know, I'm going to be one of their supporters as well because. They still, I mean, I started here, it's my hometown here, and uh, I hope they have nothing but, you know, over the next couple of years, they can build a real good, strong team here and have some success. So, uh, you know, I'm wishing them all the best, and, uh, you know, hey, uh, I, I, even though I work for Kelowna, I, 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 if they ask me, you know, ask me a question or two, I certainly won't be uh, helping out in any way I possibly can, and uh, so... No, I hope they just do well here. It's, it's a great city. They've been a great franchise for a long time and probably the smallest uh, like smallest franchise city-wise in the, in the Canadian Hockey League, and they've been around for a long time. So I wish them all the best, and I hope they do great, that's for sure. So Yeah, well, no, and, and, and I, I do too. And, and hopefully uh, I get back there probably next summer for the uh, – the, the alumni, I'd like to get back for the Rockets alumni one of these years, too. I've only been to, uh, I think I've been to one of them in the last 12 years. So um, my lifestyle didn't really uh, allow myself to uh, make it out to events like that, nor did I want to show myself in events like that. Um, but, Lauren, uh, I'm going to let you go because, you know, I know, you know you're trying to settle into your new life out there in Saskatchewan. And, um, you know, you've probably been busy. How long have you been out there? Well, we just over, I think we're into our, about our sixth week now, so, uh, you know, and uh, we're just getting, my wife and I are just getting sort of things scraped out here and uh, starting to, you know, adjust a little bit, but uh, no, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's certainly an adjustment because, you know, like we were talking earlier, Kelowna is a great, gorgeous city and it was a great place to live for 30 years and, and uh, you know, it, it uh, certainly our life, uh, but in saying that, they... Uh, you know, we're at the age now where hey, we're just enjoying each other and and our grandkids. And uh, I gotta, I gotta, I really gotta thank my wife for the last thirty years. She's uh, put up with a lot, and uh, you know, I've been away a lot, and and uh, she's been uh, very supportive of me. And uh, it's, uh, I gotta give her a lot of credit. Yeah, that is, uh, it, it is not an easy job to be uh, the wife of a hockey player or executive or coach um it's just it's a lot of travel um and Brady on that on that note this is this is Lauren's wife Jan I just have to say he is only my current husband 
<laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I like her. I like her, Lauren. Yeah, she's been great. Yeah, she's been awesome. So, uh, she she doesn't get the you know she doesn't get the accolades that she deserves. So. Uh, yes. But uh, you know, I remember back in the day we had a lot of billets. Like we had uh, Scott Annan and Duncan Keith and you know and, and guys like that. And Travis and Ryan Cuthbert actually they billeted with us and stuff. So they still they love her to death and. And every time uh, they certainly, whenever they call, they they make sure she's in the picture because uh, they they thought the world of her and uh, she was great with them. So yeah, so it was uh, it was great. So that's awesome. That point, I I had no idea that you guys billeted too. That's phenomenal. Yeah. See, you guys yeah. you guys have really um, been just fantastic in the junior hockey world, Lauren, and and I didn't know that. So um, for people that don't know, like being a billet mom is you know uh just a thankless job and um you know these guys don't get paid a whole lot of money um and i'll tell you what there's no way the money that e any of my billets got was enough to cover the food that i was eating um so uh you know thank you to her for billeting for you guys for billing all those years but like i said it was she was probably doing the majority of the housework <laughs> and the cooking and everything for them right so uh, but no, that's great, and uh, you know I'm just so happy that you guys, uh, have, you know, transitioned into this uh, new life, and you've been able to spend more time together because you know that's really what it's all about, and um, getting to be with your family and all that. So it's just it's really great to hear, and um, you know it was actually really nice to hear that you're still gonna be working with the Rockets. I wasn't aware of that. Um, I thought you were out completely. I I didn't believe it, but that's what I that was the impression that I had. I didn't. I actually didn't believe it because I, I was sure that uh, you would still be involved and sure enough um, there you are so uh, anyways Lauren I'm going to let you go but uh, maybe but I, what's I that wanna thank you, and I want to uh, you know I want to just tell you how proud I am of you for turning your life around and getting yourself going in the right direction and you know what your dad is a very good friend of mine and uh, I see him a lot on the road and uh, we travel you know we, we certainly he scouts for Saskatoon and was scouting prior uh, to that with, uh, who was he with before? The Broncos. Uh, and, yeah, the, and we were, yeah, with the Broncos, and yeah, we were very, we become very good friends over the years, and he's a great guy, and I just want to, you know, hey, can commend you for the job you've done, and uh, I want to wish you all the best in the, down the road here, and keep up the good work, and and good for you, and I'm very proud of you, that's for sure, so. Well, no, that, that means a lot to me, Lorne, and uh, yeah, no, my dad is uh, just a fantastic guy, and I talked to him just before this uh, interview, actually, and he's agreed to come on uh, the 50th episode, so this is the halfway mark to that um, so I'm actually looking forward to that one. I don't know what he's going to say. He's probably going to roast me, but he, but I deserve it and I don't really care. Uh, but listen, he's been so great. Um, and I can't, I just put him through so much. I've just about killed him, um, several times. So I'm sure he's, he's happy going to bed every night knowing that I'm, you know, safe and doing well. And, um, but no, those kind words, uh, truly mean a lot to me. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for all that you do, Lauren, and uh, your success is just incredible. The list of players that, that you guys, uh, and really you are 
I'm sure you've really been the main guy in, in getting a lot of these guys. So you obviously have a knack for it. You've been extremely successful. So congratulations on, on a great career that's not officially over uh, and we'll probably see a tremendous more amount of success down the road. So uh, I'm sure we'll do this again, Lorne. I want to say thanks again to you, buddy, and uh, enjoy the time with the family, the grandkids, and uh, all that fun stuff. Well, thanks for having me. All the best to you. Anytime, Lorne. Take care of that. Uh, take care of that wife for years, buddy. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Now we'll talk soon. Yeah. Bye. Guys, that's Lauren Fry. Wow. <laughs> um. Really nice to catch up with Lorne. Um, what a class act. Uh, unbelievable career. Unbelievable. The list of players is insane. Tyler Myers, Dylan Dubé, Luke Shen, Scott Hammond, Tyson Berry, Blake Como, Tyler Spurgeon, Scott Parker, Shea Weber, Josh Georges, Duncan Keith, Leon Dreisaitl, Michael Backlund, and Jamie Ben. Um, guys, that's it for episode 25 of Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery. I want to say thanks again for listening. Um, wherever you're listening, guys, please uh, subscribe. Uh, if you enjoyed it, please share it with your family and friends. But like I said, if you did not, uh, don't. I don't want you to share it if you didn't enjoy it. Uh, guys, uh, Coming up on Hockey Heroin, The Road to Recovery, I'm going to have Matthew Barnaby, a uh, longtime NHLer, Ryan Vandenbush. Uh, I'm also going to have a uh, member, uh, executive uh, director of the Puck Support Foundation, Carson Grant, uh, join me on an upcoming episode to share his story uh, of playing minor and junior hockey and then uh, also losing his brother. To a drug overdose. Uh, Carson uh, is a good friend of mine uh, and has a has a great story and uh, tells a great story. So uh, I'm looking forward to doing that. Uh, also, I'm looking forward to having Michael Hangen, the chief executive director uh, from the Puck Support Foundation, on uh, with Cooper Hollick, uh, who Coop, I haven't even told you this yet, uh, but I'd love to have you on um, and to, to share your story of. Uh, you know trials and tribulations and um, you know what we're all trying to do together uh, with uh, Jesse too uh, and the Puck Support Foundation so guys uh, you know I really want to say uh, thanks to Mr. and Mrs. Lalonde that's Matt Thompson's and uncle um, they have sent me an extremely generous donation to the Matthew Lashinsky Memorial Studio uh, Matt Thompson's going to be heading back down here in about three weeks' time. Uh, really looking forward to that. Him and I still talk every day, brainstorming uh, ideas for the studio uh, and just shooting the breeze. Uh, pretty much I talk to him and call him about everything. Uh, he's one of my best friends. Uh, and of course, uh, Michael Hangan, I talk to you like 50 times a day. And it's so nice um, to have him back in my life. Um, and a lot of these people back in my life and, and new people as well. So guys, there's really no words for it. Thank you so much for the support. Uh, check out all the podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network. Don't forget to check out teamissue.ca. Promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchases. And guys, go to HockeyToHeroin.com every Sunday night. Facebook, 
the Hockey Day Ireland Facebook page live team issued giveaways so sometimes we give away hats face shields socks uh, you know it's a weekly draw we're gonna do a monthly draw bigger and then probably like a six month and a yearly draw um, all really exciting stuff guys so I want to say thanks to Jesse Paradise and Team Issue for helping us with those contests being a great sponsor uh, and guys I have a new saying my name is Brady Liebold and my comeback will be greater than my setback so that is compliments of a new friend of mine Justin Bryant so I want to say thanks to him I love it it's very very empowering uh, also guys uh, I'm gonna leave you uh, with this new mantra it's called the good mantra so if you haven't heard it uh, check this out Michael Hengen sent this to me this morning uh, he says he listens to this every single morning on the way to work uh, and this is how I'm gonna start my mornings now too so uh, I hope you guys enjoy this because I absolutely love it and remember have a great day if you so choose good. How do I deal with setbacks, failures, delays, defeats, or other disasters? I actually have a fairly simple way of dealing with these situations summed up in one word. Good. This is something that one of my direct subordinates, one of the guys who worked for me, a guy who became one of my best friends, pointed out. He'd pull me aside with some major problem or some issue that was going on and he'd say, boss, we got this thing, this situation, and it's going terribly wrong. I would look at him and I'd say, good. And finally, one day he was telling me about something that was going off the rails and as soon as he finished explaining it to me, he said, I already know what you're going to say. And I asked, what am I going to say? And he said, you're going to say, good. And he continued, that's what you always say. When something is wrong or going bad, you just look at me and say, good. And I say, well, I mean it. Because that is how I operate. So I explain to him that when things are going bad, there's going to be some good that will come from it. Oh, mission got canceled? Good. We can focus on another one. Didn't get the new high-speed gear we wanted? Good. We can keep it simple. Didn't get promoted? Good. More time to get better. Didn't get funded? Good. We own more of the company. Didn't get the job you wanted? Good. Go out, gain more experience, build a better resume. Got injured? Good. Needed a break from training. Got tapped out? Good. It's better to tap out in training than to tap out on the street. Got beat? Good. We learned. Unexpected problems? Good. We have an opportunity to figure out a solution. That's it. When things are going bad, don't get all bummed out, don't get startled, don't get frustrated. No. Just look at the issue and say, good. Now, I don't mean to say something trite. I'm not trying to sound like Mr. Smiley Positive Guy. That guy ignores the hard truth. That guy thinks a positive attitude will solve problems. It won't. But neither will dwelling on the problem. No, accept reality, but focus on the solution. Take that issue, take that setback, take that problem and turn it into something good. Go forward. And 
If you are part of a team, that attitude will spread throughout. Finally, if you can say the word good, then guess what? It means you're still alive. It means you're still breathing. And if you're still breathing, that means you've still got some fight left in you. So get up, dust off, reload, recalibrate, re-engage, and go out on the attack.